the money that you're being paid is actually only the number one factor in career happiness for 38% of people. It means there's a whole lot of people for which it is not number one, or number two, or number three, or no, and there's about eight motivating factors that we could talk about if you want that encourage anybody at any time to pick a new job. But money is only one factor, and if you go to a conference where what you're hearing is success, money, then you start putting all your energy towards doing this thing, but you end up feeling stuck because that you might want one more impact in the world. You might want more flexibility in your life. You might want to be able to be philanthropic and, and, and uh, have a, a mission that you care about. There's all sorts of things. Welcome to the Who You Know Job Networking Show where what you know is important, but who you know? Who you know can make all the difference in your business, career, relationships, and life. And I got a question for you. Have you ever felt stuck? Well, I know I have. And I want you to meet Laura Gassner Otting, aka LGO. She's the author of Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life, uh, which was number two in the Washington Post bestseller list, right behind Michelle Obama. Mm. And she's a serial entrepreneur, a White House appointee, and contributor to the Today Show, Good Morning America, Harvard Business Review, and Oprah Daily. She helps people to get unstuck and achieve extraordinary results. And uh, I love this part. She's the lightweight champion of the get the hell out of your own way world, competitive rower, and a professional badass. Everybody welcome LGO to the studio. Hello. Hello. Wow, it's great to be here. What an intro. I love it. I love it. I love the get the hell out of your own way world. Um, Listen, so I told you today, I want you to almost use me. As, a, as an experiment. Oh, let's go. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm stuck. Okay. Right? I think Mark knows. Uh, I've been going through going through hell and back recently. Uh, fighting fires all over the place. My personal life. My business life. Just all over the place. And I'm stuck. I, I recently went to the 10X Growth Conference. And it was like, ah, there was just all this growth mindset all around me. And I just realized how small I'm playing. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, what's the next move? Where do I get started? And I just feel stuck. Yeah. And you're like, this is right That's on time. This is my jam. This man. is you're right on time. So, Perfect. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny. My next book, Wonder Hell, is actually about exactly this moment that you're in. So, Wonder Hell is based on this idea of. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's incredible. Exciting that I've had a little bit of success. It's wonderful, and also. In that success, I saw a version of myself. Maybe I saw a version of myself at this conference mm. of how much more I could do, how much bigger I could be. And now I'm filled with anxiety. I'm filled with uncertainty. Mm. I'm filled with doubt. I'm filled with imposter syndrome. There is burnout. There's exhaustion. It's wonderful, but it's also hell. And wonder hell, Trevor, is the space in your psyche where the burden of potential walks in and goes, hey, hey, man. What you got for me? Mm. Are you going to live into this newfound you that you didn't even know existed last week, last month, and last year? You're going to let it pass you by. And here's the good news about Wonder Hell. Wonder Hell only shows itself to people who are worthy of it. Ooh. Because that imagination, that you that you just saw, you wouldn't even see it if you couldn't accomplish it. So you're in a moment that's actually an uncommon moment 
for everyone, but a common moment of people who are worthy of it. And when I found myself in Wonder Hell, I talked to a hundred different glass ceiling shatterers, Olympic medalists, startup unicorns. And I was like, how do I get out of this moment? And they said, you don't get out of it. You just learn to live in it. Because on the other mm. side of this Wonder Hell is, is another the one? next one. And, then, and if you're lucky, the next one after that. So I don't know that I would say you're stuck. I would say you're actually at this portal of mm. everything that you can be if you choose to see it as opportunity and not as threat. It's an invitation, mm. not a limitation. Ooh. I, what, like where four are, or five mic drops I know. right there. Right? So, four, so normally, and I don't know why we don't have them. It's my own fault. I, I We normally have these little plastic mics and we drop them. Uh, that you did have like three mic drop moments in that for sure. Big one for me is the burden of potential. Yes. I've never heard it phrased that way. The burden of potential. That is like a phenomenal way to sum up like the what people don't think about because they always see the potential and they're like this blue sky and but they don't really I guess focus on that that uh, journey. Yes. Right? Which which is part of that burden. So that was a well, good one for me. I feel that burden. Mm-hmm. Like when, yes. especially like going to this conference and I was talking with people and I'm talking like talking with people that are younger than me that are just crushing it and then you just see success everywhere and all these testimonials of people going doing amazing things and it's all 10x everything is about you know 10xing your dreams and your goals and blah 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 and uh it's like man i'm living so small it was mm-hmm. like and, and you know you can do better so um talk to me about that so in your book limitless right it, it's sounds like a similar concept of uh how to ignore everybody every day um everybody carve your own path and live your best life you encourage readers to think bigger and accept greater challenges right so thinking bigger that sounds 10x yes yes so i spent 20 years in executive search and my job in executive search was to call the most successful people in the world and recruit them away on behalf of my clients so i would call you mark and i'd be like hey you have bold-faced name bold-faced organization, bold-faced resume, my client wants to talk to you. You would think it would be a really hard job, but here's the thing. I called them because of all the success, but despite all that success, they weren't very happy, which Mm. is why they all called me back. Mm. Mm. And I was fascinated by this question of why success doesn't equal happiness. So I spent some time thinking after I sold that company, what was it that the people who did have success and happiness actually had? And what I found was that it's not success as defined by someone else. So Mark, if you followed Trevor's path to success and filled in all of his checkboxes, they'd be full, but you would feel empty. Mm -hmm. Likewise, vice versa. Trevor, your path is your path. It's not Mark's path. So all of us, each of us at this table have a different path, but also at every age and at every stage of your life, what you want is going to be different. different. So I had a teacher in fourth grade who said, Laura, you know, you're really argumentative. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> okay. What was the first thing I said to her, of course, is you're, you're wrong. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I was argumentative, right? <laughs> so I, but still I created this, this subconscious path that got me to law school where on the very first day I dropped out because I didn't fit her path to success. I didn't fit her definition. And I can point to all kinds of moments, teachers and parents and friends and celebrities who gave me a definition. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter how big you live if you're living someone else's definition of success. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot in Limitless about what that framework is for success as based on us, but you can't be insatiably hungry for someone else's goals. Mm -hmm. So you could be at that 10X conference and you could see all these people doing incredible things, but if that's not what you actually want, right? It turns out, and I did a three-year study of 7,000 people across 74 different countries from before, during, and after the pandemic. 
money, the money that you're being paid is actually only the number one factor in career happiness for 38% of people. That means there's a whole lot of people for which it is not number one. Or number two, or number three, or no, and there's about eight motivating factors that we could talk about if you want that encourage anybody at any time to pick a new job. But money is only one factor. And if you go to a conference where what you're hearing is success, money, mm-hmm. then you start putting all your energy towards doing this thing, but you end up feeling stuck because that might you might want one more impact in the world. You might want more flexibility in your life. You might want to be able to be philanthropic and 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 uh, have a, a mission that you care about. There's all sorts of things. When I was an entrepreneur, I wanted freedom and flexibility more than anything that, else. That is exactly right there. And so I, I'd like to dive into that yes. for a second. So at the conference, my big takeaway was actually my next step is going to be 10x stages, something that you do very yes. well, right? You, you speak all over the world, you know, uh, professional speaker, you get paid to speak, you know. Um, and for me, it's about freedom. It's about impact. I also want to have impact. Yeah, so talk to me about your speaking career sure. and, and maybe where that started. Yeah. And I know you, you, you've you spoken in front of some large audiences. I've spoken so. in front of some large audiences, yeah. yes. Um, but just on the impact and the, the flexibility thing, I will say when I was an entrepreneur, I, I figured out fairly early that as an entrepreneur, you can make a decision based on one of three factors, maximizing flexibility, maximizing impact, or maximizing money. And you can really decide on any of the two of the three of these. And you gotta, you can't like pick every different decision and do a different thing. But if you're running your business based on two of the three of them, the third will always come. The money will come. The money will come. And in so fact, the money will impact come more. And impact, freedom and flexibility. Freedom and flexibility, so time. And profit. Yeah. So I wanted to create a big impact in the world. So I chose my clients very specifically for it. Mm. I also was a young parent. My kids are 18 and 20 now, but I can tell you that that company is 20 years old because I started it when my oldest kid was six weeks old. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to be home, I could pick up the kids, but I also wanted to make an impact. So I was choosing my clients, again, very specifically so that I could do the kind of work I was doing to do that for them. But I ended up making more money than I'd made in the big firm that I left in my Jerry Maguire moment to start my new one. And I made more money in the sale of that company than I would have if I hadn't done it that way. So because we ran the company very specifically with integrity and impact in the way that I wanted, the company grew. I mean, you know, you've interviewed enough people that when you're sitting across from somebody who's kind of they're kind of faking it. Like you yeah. can tell if they're not, they don't have a lot of integrity. You can tell if they're chasing false gods, you can tell. Mm. But when you walk into a client and you talk to them about what is in your heart and what you care about sitting in the center of your experience and your excellence, that's contagious. They want to Mm. buy everything you're selling. And so if you want to become a speaker, the way to do that is figure out what do I know more than anyone else? Right. What is the story I can tell that illuminates that? So that you're not giving book reports on somebody else's ideas. My friend Scott McCain is a is a is a great speaker, and he wrote a book called Iconic that talks about how do you make brands, like how do brands become iconic brands, not just famous, but iconic. And he has this quote where he talks about people doing book reports. They get on stage and they talk about a lot of ideas that are kind of other people's ideas. But what have you lived? What have you researched? What do you know better than anyone else? And what personal stories do you have that cannot tell but show that? Mm-hmm. That's where you start what you're going to talk about. And then how do you speak? The way I began as a speaker was I actually got asked to do a TEDx talk. 
And I had never spoken in public before. I didn't like speaking. I didn't want to speak. I had no interest. My, I think my exact words were no effing way. <laughs> Yeah. Except I didn't say effing. I used and to run way too. I I would run to the. I would literally hide out in the bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah seriously, because sure. I was terrified to speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at a conference in L.A. over the weekend, and I literally tweeted, "I'm at a. I'm attending a big conference, so naturally I'm hiding in my hotel room." <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of traction. I'm a raging introvert. I can do this all day long, but ask me to work a room, no way. So but is do you speaking? Go ahead. You're. It's you're not you're actually not interacting with anybody. They say their part, but mm-hmm. it's silent. Mm-hmm. There are I, a lot of introverts in the speaking world. I have a yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I have. A, I feel like it's because it's a superpower, okay. And the enemy wants to steal that superpower from you. And I don't know, if, you know, if you're religious or anything like that. But you know, the enemy to me, the enemy wants to steal that because he came here to lie, kill, and destroy, and wants. To steal you from your purpose, mm-hmm. and and if you, if that is your gift, of course you're going to be terrified of your gift. Of course you are, right? And so that's why I, I do think a lot of people that are great speakers are terrified of it. Yes, a lot of them are are introverted. Yes. So when I finish a speech, I actually end up, uh, you know, I get off stage and people come over and they want selfies and I sign their books and all of that stuff, and then I go back to my hotel room and I literally like climb into bed. I don't even put on Netflix because it's too much interaction. Like it's hard. Like I will only order room service if there's like an app where I can order things. I can't even talk to a person. I'm, I'm so done. It's draining, right? It's draining. Yeah. It's draining. So I had no idea that the speaking world was a thing until I, I wrote this blog post and it got some attention and I got asked to do it and I said no effing way and then my kids are in the backseat and they're like 12 and 14 at the time and they were like mom don't you tell us we got to do things that scare us? <laughs> and don't you tell us that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you? And don't you tell us that life starts on the other side of the fear? Mm. And I was like, man, you don't listen to me um, tell you to pick um, up your socks, um, but um. that, that, right, that, like, so I'm eating my words. I call the woman back. Six weeks later, I'm on the stage. Yes. 2,600 people, Boston Opera House, beautiful gold gilded walls, crystal chandeliers. And I crushed it for like 11 and a half minutes. And then there's a moment where I look off stage left. And if you know me, you know that I have no idea what my next line is. You froze. Took a breath. I remembered. I forgot the important line, but I kept going and I finished. But that talk also got some attention. And I got offered to to fly to Boise, Idaho to give a 45-minute keynote, of which I stood holding the lectern. Like if I let go of it, I'd fly off into space because I was so terrified. And they gave me $1,500. And I didn't know it at the time, but I got a baseball hat with a potato on it because it was Idaho. And uh, <laughs> at the end, I walked off stage and I was like, wait, I'm just, I'm done? I don't have to give you like a giant binder? I was 20 years in consulting and executive search. I don't have to give you a binder and a project and a thing. Like, I'm just done? Tell me more about this job. <laughs> Fascinating. So then I went and I got all sorts of speaker training and I built a website and I, you know, had well, people talk to me about that speaker yeah. training. Yes. Okay. Like where do you even go for that? Like where, uh, did you do, um, what is it? Like, um, Toastmasters. I didn't do Toastmasters. What? There's a group out of, uh, Pennsylvania called heroic public speaking okay. that I did. And there's a, another friend of mine, Mike Ganino, who's very good at it. Tamson Webster. There's a number of people, you know, around the country who are very good at, at speaker training. Okay. And here's what I learned. 
it is a skill mm-hmm. that you need to perfect if you're going to do it because somebody's going to pay you money. Yes. And there are going to be people in the audience who are going to make decisions in their life based on what they hear you say on stage. Absolutely. What a responsibility. What a responsibility. So there yeah. are a lot of people in the speaking world who are like, I got to work on the joke. I got to perfect the, you know, the, 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 the story. I got to like, how do I get the standing ovation? What's the trick? And I'm like, what's your content? Like your content's got to be good because people are making decisions. People would come up to me in the book signing line and they'd be like, hey, I read the first half of your book and I quit my job. And I'm like, read the second half <laughs> before you do it. Um, and maybe quitting the job is the right thing to do. But, uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it's a huge responsibility. So I was like, I need to, if someone's going to pay me money and people are going to listen to me. Again, integrity. Mm-hmm. I better know what I'm doing. I better do it well. And then in addition to the performance, there's a whole other piece of it, which is the marketing. Right. So you need to get film of you speaking. You have got to have people seeing what you look like because nobody buys an idea. They buy the performance. So you need the website. You need the collateral. Then I noticed all the people on stage is getting paid big money, like five figures and up. All had books. Mm. So I was like, I better get me one of them. I need I need a book. Well, speaking of books. You don't need a book you don't. to be a speaker. Okay. Well, but it helps. And before we go on, um, so going from – your experience to now TEDx stage. Yes. Right, which is big. Yes. Right? So it's not like you had stepping stones to work The very up to first it. talk I ever gave in my life was that first TEDx. Dang. Would you recommend yeah. like somebody just trial by fire and just go as big as they can right away? Or because you hadn't had the training and everything, would you recommend like maybe start training yes first. i think toastmasters i think your local community centers all of that is very good okay i got very lucky because the very first tedx i gave was like one of the top tier tedx's mm-hmm. which means that they do professional hair and makeup they've got a five camera shoot great sound and light but most importantly a coach how so, did how did they reach out to you you said they reached out to you right yes how yes. did that happen so i was friends with the executive producer of tedx cambridge so what you're saying is who you know is that what you're saying? I'm kind of saying it's not about what you know, but who you know. <laughs> That's right. Go. I'm kind of saying That's that. That's what I'm talking about. I should. We need our stupid plastic mics. We don't have them. I don't know. What's wrong with us today? Uh, yeah, I don't think they so, want to but I'll these. say this. So there are a number of top tier TEDx's. And those are the ones that have all the good stuff and the good coaches. And they don't take applications. It's all about who who do you know, who do you know. So this last TEDx that I did, the one that I did in April that's got almost a million views right now, how did I get on that? Mm. A fellow speaker and author who I've been talking about this idea of wonder hell forever was like, all right, it's time to get your act together. Let's Mm. go, LGO. Like, it's time you've been talking about it. Like, let's go. He's like, what do you think about doing TEDx Reno? And I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And he's like, well, you should be ready because I went out to drinks with the executive producer last (laughs) night. And I told him your idea, and he wants you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll apply. He's like, no, no, no. It's actually already decided that you're going to be the opening speaker of the whole day. Oh, oh boy. So let's go. What did that feel Who like? you know. I love that. What? Okay, in that moment when he told you that. It felt like Wonder Hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Wonder Hell. Yes, I, yes. I see you got the book here. Yes, this is the advanced it, reader copy. So it's like a little, it's like a little like a paperback, cheapy thing, but it's what they send out to media for all okay. the reviews and to get extra blurbs and all that good stuff. Now that's April, right? Trevor told me that he was. It's coming out ready, April fourth, right? but we are in pre-launch it? pre-orders right now. So what what can people expect from it? Like what what if you can kind of maybe like Reader's Digest version? Well, sure. Well, yeah. hold on before you go there. Okay. I see the the cover. I want to pick on the cover. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Golly, that feels like my life right now. That's what you said. Mm-hmm. What I explained to you. What I yes. That's my life right now. Okay, so you know 
when you go to an amusement park and you think it's going to be super fun <laughs> and then it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and the sun is beating down on you and you're kind of sunburned and you're dehydrated and that corn dog in your stomach <laughs> is not really agreeing with you and you're waiting in line for that roller coaster and you're like i thought this was going to be fun why isn't this fun Success is kind of the same way, right? You think you get to a certain point and it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Easy money, everything's going to be great. And then you get there and you're like, why is it harder? It's mm. actually harder because of the burden of your potential. So the book is based around the idea of an amusement park and there's three towns. There's Imposter Town, mm. Doubtsville, and Burnout City. And then in each one of the towns... I've been to all of those lately. <laughs> I'm visiting every town. Like, give so, me off this train. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. And then in each one of the towns, there's, there are different rides. So there's the Imaginarium, right? Learning how to think bigger. There's the roller coaster when, you know, how do you handle all the chaos? There's the Gravitron when the ground drops out beneath you. There's the bumper cars. You think you're on a good path and somebody knocks you off course. So it's kind of the, the cover is based around this sort of super fun idea that like you think it's going to be great, but welcome to Wonder Hell. Yeah. You are here. So <laughs> now that you paint this beautiful picture right. of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't you want to do it? Isn't it great? And at the same time, I mean, it is so difficult and it is so scary and it's so terrifying. And there's no better job on earth. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's just as scary and terrifying working for somebody else's dreams as it is working for your own. That's well. And you know what? There's no uh, job security in corporate America anymore anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, these companies, we saw that during the pandemic. I mean, they, oh. they'll get rid of you just like that for whatever reason. Well, and, and, and the other thing is during the, the, you know, the pandemic and the transition, you know, mass migration, whatever you want to call it, I'm not even going to call it out, but you know, a lot of it was for money, mm -hmm. but a lot of it was for job satisfaction and impact as well. Yes. So many people woke up <laughs> during this pandemic and said, when life goes back to normal, is the normal I'm going back to really the life that I want? Mm. And I mean, I don't know anyone who said yes to that question. I know I didn't say yes to that question. I was a author and a speaker before, I'm an author and a speaker now, but I'm doing it very differently. Like I think mm. all of us woke up and said, you know, if I'm gonna take a bet on anyone. You know, on you me. know what Mark and I didn't really have, I, I don't think we really got it through the pandemic. We didn't really get that reflection time because we didn't have a, you know, a shutdown. Like we, we went, we were busy. I went hard. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. is my opportunity. Let's go hard. Let's go all in. We were online just like that. And like we did 2020 was our best year ever skyrocketed. And since then it's been, it's been actually going backwards. And, um, but 2020 was great, but we didn't stop, take that time to reflect. But you're feeling it. it now. I do. So there are two different kinds of people in the world. There are people who fall apart during a crisis and there are people who fall apart after, after. a crisis. Mm. And the people who fall apart <laughs> after are, of course, the stronger version of the people. But Oh, well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but there still has to be a reckoning. There's always a reckoning, right? There, every, the, the taxes always do. Mm. So the taxes do, and now you're in that place where you're like, okay, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> now what? Yeah. Right? Well, in your book, too, and you had mentioned this earlier, which is when you're stuck, and there's a lot of people that are focusing 10x, right, mm -hmm. maybe case in point, on leveling up, mm -hmm. but there's not really that focus or at least even a mention of, hey, you're stuck, like how do you, how do you get out of that? Because you got to get out of that before you really can level up. I mean, it's hard to do both at the same time. Do you, mm -hmm. do you agree with that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this, of course, also goes back to who you know. So a lot of us have people who are surrounding us who are just there because of history. 
Mm. They're people who we've known since high school, since whenever. Like, there's people we've just had in our lives. And none of these people really know who we are, right? Like, the last time I lived in the same house as my parents, I was 17 years old. Like, I put empty milk back in the refrigerator. I put the car back on empty, but the volume up on, you know, full. <laughs> and when I told them, you know, when I told them I was leaving the White House to go join a, a, a search firm, they're like, why, why would you leave the White House? I told them I was leaving the big search firm to start my own. What are you doing? What are you, crazy? I told them I was selling the search firm to do who knows what. Are you insane? Like, they love me. They didn't want to see me get hurt. Mm. So they told me I should maybe, like, don't do that. Maybe, like, don't don't have so many risks. Then they're the people who are jealous of you, right? The ones who didn't do so well in 2020. And they see your rise and all they can see is their own stagnation. Mm. That's a problem. And then they're ones who are scared. Where you run into them at the coffee shop, they're like, oh my God, Mark, no, you can't do that. That's too scary. But what they really mean is, I can't do that. I'm too scared. Mm -hmm. And so we have to think about the people who are surrounding us and not let their lack of imagination bury our ambition. Right? And that happens all the time. So who are the people who are around you? And are they the right people or the wrong people? Are they there for your future or for your past? And it's totally fine to have people in your life who have been there forever and who are your ride or dies. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we have to think and wonder and think, you know, one of the rides in Wonder Hell is the, uh, is the, is the, um, to call it the Ferris wheel, right? Where you go mm. all the way to the top and from the top you can see the world much better. And you come back to the ground and you see those people and you say hi and you go back up and you see those people and you say hi again. Maybe sometimes you gotta say goodbye to some of those people. Mm. So if you're stuck, one of the first things that you should think about is like, who are the inputs around me? Who are the people who are telling me? Are they helping me get unstuck or are they telling me that I should maybe become more stuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I feel that. I feel what you just said. Feel like a snake shedding some skin yes. i gotta get rid of something there's some i gotta get rid of some things in my life and to make room for bigger things mm -hmm. how much of that <clears throat> i love that what you've said everything by the way <clears throat> i don't know if you can put it maybe to a percentage or how you might want to you know frame it how much of it is forward-looking because in our relationship trevor's the visionary He's got the vision, driving for for the goal, and I'm like the compliance guy. I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking about like, okay, well, what about this or what about? This? So I would describe it as you've got the you've got the 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 the, the gut, right, and the brain, right. You figure out, and uh, this is a partnership that I had with my former partner. And every time I'm I'm all gut, right. And every time I was like, well, what if we did it this way? And I started getting into the the, the you know the, the machinery. She's mm -hmm. like, okay, something's wrong. Like, we were like <laughs> in each other's space in a way that was not productive. But I think it's a really important partnership to have. Okay, great. Yeah, it's definitely a yin and yang. I, he's got some strengths that are my weaknesses and vice versa. Like we we yes. complement each other very very well. We've worked very well together sometimes i feel like that though when i'm trying to sell the vision because i feel like i gotta go tell mark like hey this is you know and i gotta go sell it to him oh yes and i already know here comes some of the and i'm like just trust me man yes and sometimes it works important sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't well in in the 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 framework of my question i guess is to to maybe have if somebody isn't in a partnership like that or has that relationship with somebody who can serve one or the other side, um, it has to be internal yes. then, right? So there, there, there probably is maybe some kind of balance, and that's maybe like by percentage. Are, are you 80% growth and 10% or 20% um, you know, um, strategy or in planning, or what would you recommend? 
You know, this is an answer that Trevor's going to like more than more than you, Mark, because it's not a it's not a sort of COO, CFO. It's a like vision kind mm-hmm. of answer. I've never really put a percentage on it. I think if you do interesting things with interesting people, interesting opportunities come about. Mm, I think I, that's all I, it is. <laughs> so, okay, here's here's you want to know how manifestation works, right? The science behind manifestation. Yes. Okay. You, here's the bad news. You cannot manifest a cherry red Maserati to show up outside of the building here. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You cannot manifest like. Humana, humana, I know, humana, I know. Humana, I'm sorry. No? I'm sorry to say that. You can, you cannot manifest a, you know, your dream chip, uh, your dream uh, trip to Japan. Like it's just, you, you can't manifest it. However, the brain takes on something like 50 million bits of information every single minute, but it can only actually process seven. So when you actually manifest something, when you write it on your vision board or when you speak it out loud to someone who's, you know, a mentor or a friend, you are signaling to your brain to intentionally pluck that one thing out of the 50 million bits of data. So we'll take the trip to Japan, for example. If I've always wanted to go to Japan, but I'm like, oh, it's never going to happen. But I put on my vision board, Japan. Suddenly I see buses go by me, Japan Airlines, fall sale. Did I manifest that bus? No. no. But did I tell my brain to finally notice that billboard that's probably been going by like a billion times? Yes. Right. So who? Do, how do you do it? It's really important to have the people around you because you can't see yourself when you're inside the frame. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do I spend this much amount of time on strategy, this much amount of time on marketing, this much amount of time on vision? I think you spend time having conversations with people who are a little bit further along in the path that you're on. On the path. Very important. I want to get t-shirts that are printed up that say, before you tell me what to do, show me what you've done. Ooh, and on the back, it's like, drop. hashtag, show me the PL. Because I'm so <laughs> sick of all these people. Show me the PL. i I'm so sick of all these like coaches who are out there who are like telling you what to do. And you're like, you're living in a van down by the river. Like, oh. come on, right? So having people around you where you can go to them and you can say, this is what I'm thinking about. And then they'll say, you're thinking too small. Mm. Or maybe you're thinking too big right now and you need to do these few things first. I had a, a, I had a business coach when I ran my executive search firm who, he was like Jack Welsh's right-hand mm-hmm. man at GE. Like he, big. Up there, yeah. And I, first time I met him, I'm like, I can't afford you. And he's like, well, you're friends with my friend. I owe him a big favor. So somehow I became this guy's project. So I went to him the very first time we had breakfast and I like put out on the table my P&L statement and my marketing plans and our legal documents. And I thought I was going to get like gold stars left and right. And he like, took everything, pushed it across the table. And he's like, what do you want your life to look like? I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, what do you want your life to be? How many vacations do you want to take a year? What kind of film philanthropy do you want to do? Um, where do you want to be living? And not just how many vacations, but like, do you want to stay at the Four Seasons or the Motel 6, mm. right? You're driving a car. Is it a Maserati or are you driving a Hyundai, right? Like, what does your life look like? What kind of, like, what does that life cost? And then what kind of business do you need to build to throw off that kind of money? And that fundamentally changed the way I thought about what I wanted to build and how I wanted to build it. So it wasn't a question of who do I put around me to think bigger, better, faster, more. It was really getting this insight about who I wanted to be and how the work provided that kind of life for me. I love that. So what you did in in that example, too, it's still vision. It's still visualization and looking at okay, what's that lifestyle actually? Yes. It's not, the, it's not oh, I want a million dollars. No, no, no. It's what lifestyle do I need or want? And what is it going to take to get that? Yes. Monetarily, what, what's that? And then what's the work and the business 
that you're going to, and you're just working backwards. And you're just mm-hmm. working yeah, backwards. Cool. A lot of us work yep. forward. Right. We just go bigger, better, faster, more. Right. More. Right. More. But is more really the answer? Maybe what you want <laughs> is more time with your family. Maybe right. what you want is uh, you want to do, you know, more work in beautiful places. I don't know. People want different more. And But again, that's another who you know story, actually, now that I think about it, because the reason I ended up with this ridiculous coach that was so outside, I was running a $5 million PNL. This guy's run like 500 Billions. million, like a billion dollars, like <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. But it's because my mentor was his friend, right? It was, again, it was a who you know. Do you know Tim's story? You've heard of him? I know who he is. You know who Tim's? Okay. So I, I uh, ran into him. He's been on my show and everything. I ran into him at the 10X Growth Conference. Oh, nice. And uh, he invited me into his mastermind. And I'm like, and he's only going to have 50 people in there. So it's going to be pretty, pretty intimate. So that's a who you know. He speaks on a lot of stages too. Absolutely. And so it's something that I had, like, that's why I said that's probably the next step for me. Yes. What I'm feeling. Um, but my question to you is, you had said freedom uh, and flexibility was a big driving factor for you. Yes. That's also a big driving factor for me. Does speaking give you that, or am I completely off base? Am I going to be traveling all over the place and be more busier than I think I'm going to be and not get any freedom and flexibility? Or am I going to use that, go speak on a stage, and then take a vacation at the same time? The answer is yes to all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on how you do it, right? I mean, you could be speaking... like. For example, I was just at this event in L.A. over the weekend and flying through Dallas on my way back to Boston. This is what speaking looks like. And Bob Cialdini was one of the other people who was at this event, and he's like the godfather of influence. He's a you know Stanford professor. Just Anybody who's in the marketing space is like, Bob Cialdini. Oh. His name is Whispered, right? He's that kind of person. Um, and I was pulling my little uh, suitcase to the front door of the hotel on the way out, and I saw him and his wife standing there with their suitcases. And I said, are you going to the airport? You want to ride in my Uber? And they said, oh, no, we just call one. You can hop in ours. So I rode to the airport from the hotel for like 40 minutes to L.A. with Pop Cialdini. And the whole time he was like, well, tell me about your business. Tell me about your next book. I happen to have my ARC on me, so I gave him a copy, right? Like, how do you take advantage of those moments? Mm-hmm. Bob Cialdini makes probably $100,000 every time he speaks. I don't charge $100,000. I charge a lot of money. It's like an embarrassing amount of money. But I don't charge $100,000. Bob can speak and then take the rest of the month off. I'll mm. take the next six months off. So <laughs> it depends on where you are in it. There are people who are speaking who are speaking for $1,500, $5,000, maybe $10,000. And they're speaking two and three times a week. And they're going and they're going and they're going. Mm. Like I said, I, I, I see that sort of bonus career. So like, I'm just having a good time. Yeah, I see that. I see people that are you know, professional speakers and they're go, 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 go. And I'm like, I wonder if some of that is they're just not turning down opportunities right they're they're crushing it they're doing good and they're getting things are coming yeah. their way and they're they're not maybe turning them it's down it's also a season thing so you know my book comes okay. out on april 4th anybody who wants to buy 300 books i'm going to show up on your stage and i'm going to speak and i want to maximize those because the more of those i get the more likely i am to hit the wall street journal usa today etc right. so i want to make a bestseller list anybody who books me before april 4th if i'm talking to you on april 5th i'm charging my full fee Right. Mm. So it really depends on like What's what season going on. that you're in. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's also all sorts of things like if I'm staying at a, at a hotel uh, in, in Miami and I'm giving a talk, I'm not going to give my talk in the morning and then like go hang out at the pool in my bikini in the afternoon because that's a little weird. Right. People come up to you and they're like, hey, and they talk to you. <laughs> but there are all these apps that you can get on where like you can sign up for like a day pass at a different resort down the street and it's like 25 bucks for just like a cabana for the day oh, so, so you got like, all the tricks and no. tricks I've of the got all the tricks. There you go. that's right i'm staying so, at the high end i'm going over to the hilton exactly <laughs> let me tell you, if i can buy a cabana at the four seasons and i'm staying at the high end i'm 
you know where to find me, right? <laughs> Except you don't, because I won't tell you because I'm using the app or I'm not staying at the pool. So everybody handles speaking differently. There are people who make $50,000 a talk who are speaking every single chance they get because they want to earn as much as they can right now. Mm. There are others who are doing it just as a lifestyle business. So it really depends. Again, do you want to maximize flexibility? Do you want to maximize impact? Do you want to maximize profit? It's the same question. Wow. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's, uh, again, it's something that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on that journey and I'm just trying to figure out what the next stage is. And so I got to sell this guy on 10 X stages, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was a very him. nervous laugh. If I yeah. ever heard one, that was like, you're, you're wondering your hell right now. This yes. Is- <laughs> yes. Well, but you know, I mean, what you said is important too, which is, I mean, if I can sum it up was something that Trevor always says, or says to me at least is your focus is your reality. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Where you put attention is yep. what grows. Hundred percent. All right. So you've also you've appeared on regularly on Good Morning America, the Today Show. Uh, your writing has been seen in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, HR Magazine. Um, can you discuss a little bit about the importance of using different types of media? to spread your message and inspire others. Absolutely. So my writing has been seen in Harvard Business Review and Oprah Daily. Okay, among other things, but there's not a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. So (laughs) um, as I mentioned, I did a a three-year assessment with 7,000 results of, you know, 74 different countries. I can tell you everything about what's driving employee engagement right now from before, during, and after the pandemic. That's a very Harvard Business Review. Mm. I can take that and I people see that and they bring me in to speak to YPO, EO, to you know, entrepreneur events, to speak to managers, leaders. My Oprah Daily stuff is all about how do you get the right people around you so that your ambition isn't being crushed by their lack of imagination. Again, so I've given you very different messages so far. That's a very Oprah Daily message. Mm-hmm. That has me come into uh, women's empowerment groups, to network marketers, MLMs, coaches. So my range on stage goes across that entire spectrum. But if I'm only speaking to the Oprah Daily crowd, then the leadership management crowd never sees me. And they just think I'm like a wine mom, like this might not be coffee, <laughs> right? So I wanna make sure that, that, that I'm being seen as I'm fun and I'm lighthearted and I'm funny and I'm engaging and I'm charismatic on stage, but I also have the heft of a 30 year career to back it up. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to make sure that you're being seen in all the different types of media where your customers go looking for thought leaders. Right? Somebody's looking for a thought leader, I want them to find me. Right. Because if they can't find me, they can't hire me. What would you say the 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 biggest publication or or you know, is it the Today Show or what what has brought you the most visibility and impact you yeah think? when i was on good morning america the first time uh i did like a four minute stand up you know with amy robach like a really super fun thing um and my book went to 121 of all of amazon that wow. day so i would probably say that that wow. is the biggest yeah wow. dang because i've been on i've been on the news a few times but i've never experienced that i <laughs> mean I, I had a couple people yeah. reach out and be like hey i saw you on the news it's funny local news though but not the not yeah. You know what's Good funny? Morning, the first America. time I was on the Today Show, actually the very first interview I ever did for Limitless and the very first interview on television I ever did in my life was on the Today Show, which is kind of ridiculous. I right? see a trend here. Yeah. Yeah. Like you go I, big or go I home. I go big or go home. You don't right? play around. Right? Like, I don't, I do not mess around. And, and, and all of these, these 
go big moments. These have been who you know moments, haven't they? So, yeah, let me tell you how I got on the Today Show. It's actually a funny moment. But so, <laughs> but just to finish that thought. So the Today Show, it was like me sitting on the couch with Hoda and Jana. And it was like very polite. It was like having a conversation with your in-laws. I yeah. don't think I sold a single book. Like it was oh. in it was in January. My book didn't come out till April. So it was a little bit early. Sure. And then fast forward four months and I've done 150 podcasts. I've been on stages. I like got my bits. I know who I am. I got the energy and I'm standing doing like a whole thing about the book on Good Morning America and boom, skyrocket. So I think it's not just the stage you're on, but it's does that stage actually capture your energy? And the Today Show was great. I mean, every time I traveled to any town, they were like, I was like, hi, I'm in town. Do you want to interview me on your local morning show? Here's my Today Show clip. And they were like, yes, please. Yeah. So the Today Show was great and it helped open the door. Again, mm. that's the who you know was like, how do you de-risk who you are? Um, so, you know, Fox Austin and NBC DC and like any, wherever I was, they were they were thrilled to have me on because I'd had that. How I got on the Today Show is actually funny. So Mel Robbins was kind enough to blurb Wonder Hell. Amy Cuddy blurbed Limitless. And Amy Cuddy's the like, you know, power pose, you know, a billion people have watched her, uh, her TEDx, or her TED, and uh, I didn't know her. But I really wanted to interview her for Limitless. I really wanted to. And she was friends with somebody who I knew, somebody who uh, uh, is a very famous woman in Boston, and she would have these women's dinners, and I would see Amy across the hall, and I'd be like, oh my God. 100 people at this place so I would sidle up next to her I'm like hi Amy I'm Laura you don't know me and would you mind can I interview and she's like sure yeah send me an email I send her an email nothing crickets send her another email crickets another email crickets so finally I'm like she's not gonna reply to me so three months later I'm at another event at this woman's house and I see Amy and I'm like, hi, I just wanted to just introduce myself face to face. I'm the woman, I've been stalking you. I just want like, <laughs> I just, I thank you so much for considering, but I just, I just wanted to say hi. And she's like, oh my God, is it too late? I'm so sorry, I've been really busy. Well, if I can't be in your book, maybe I could just blurb it for you. Would that be good? Nice. I almost fell <laughs> over. I was like, uh, yes. Yes. And then she was like, just, <clears throat> let me know what you want. So I like wrote this thing that was like a counterintuitive, fast moving, kick in the ass, whatever. It was just like ridiculous, crazy, like over the top. Home, over the- <laughs> and she was like, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so when in, in, in January, and she's become friends since, and she was kind enough to blurb Wonder Hell also. Um, but I didn't know her at all then. Uh, so when January uh, comes about and I hire a publicist team for the book, they send out all these press releases. And literally the next week we get a call from the Today Show. And they say, you know, we don't know you, but we know Amy. We love Amy. Well, you know. And so we thought we'd check out your book. It seems interesting. Do you want to come on next Tuesday? And I was like, does anyone say no? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Let me see if I can check my schedule. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I clear my schedule. I go to New York. I'm on the Today Show. Incredible. Amazing. Wow. But it's all because I had this blurb. So everyone will say, like, blurbs don't sell books. Maybe they don't sell books, but they sell media. Mm. And media sells books. Mm. So it's who you know. It's who you know. know. Well, you know, you mentioned something. I just got to say, I have a similar story going on. Yeah. Okay. I've I've been emailing and and stalking uh, Mel Robbins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, it looks great. Blah, blah, blah. You know, but she's busy now. Of course she's busy now. I'm like, when is she not busy? Right. Right? So anyways. So the way that I got to (laughs) the blurbs that I got to is I sort of started. Started with who I knew, right? Started with, like, who is the most impressive person who is sort of in the space I'm in that I can send this book to? That'll blurb it. So I did. And then that woman 
her name was known to the person like who does she know so i sort of laddered my yeah. way up yep. and by the time i got to this person and this person and this person then it wasn't so weird for me to go to mel because i could say hey mel amy cuddy blurbed the book and kara golden blurbed the book and jonathan fields blurbed the book and all the people who she respects so you you know you got to figure like who's like what's the highest i can reach who's reasonable like if i reached out to i, I don't know uh uh a Formula One driver. Mm-hmm. I don't know any Formula One yeah. drivers, but I just picked it up. And they blurbed it. That wouldn't mean anything Wait. to Mel, right? So like, if she's my dream blurb, the one that anybody looking at this book is going to see her name and go, well, if Mel likes it, I'll like it because I like Mel. How do I get to her? Right. You know, I want to ask you a question, okay, because you just got me thinking. And I, and I think this is a big reason why uh, I feel like I'm playing small. And I know everybody's got their own journey. But... After five years of doing this podcast, I have done that with our, our guests. And mm-hmm. so sure. I've brought on some very successful people who are just crushing it, doing amazing things, right? You know, and I'm not at their level. And so over time, I've, I've leveled up, leveled up the guests that come onto this show. You know, we've had Grant Cardone come on this show, and I just went to his conference, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I've had some really big people, and I'm in the space with all of these awesome people that are just doing amazing things. And it, I guess it makes me feel about that big. See, I look at it differently. I think to myself, like, wow, I'm in Dallas. Who do I know? How can I tell people about the book? There's the show. I could go on. Amazing. How lucky for me. So yeah. I think you also have to remember, like, you're providing a service. Oh, yeah, here, yeah, absolutely. Right? So sure, 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 I, sure. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I can understand why you feel small if you're seeing people who are doing all these other things. But I think thinking about where you play in their ecosystem right. and how useful you are to them. Right. So I could come off the show today and you could say, you know, Laura, you know who you should really know is this person and this person. They were guests on my show. And then, I mean, your currency is the, is, is you've got two, right? You've got the, how do we help you get your name out there to people? And then yep. also, who do we know who we can connect, connect you to, you right? Yep. Like that network, right? What is, is it like your network is your is net worth? It, yep. Like what is it? No, and it's, it's true. It is valuable. It's, it, but let me ask you. So when yeah. you're thinking... And you're supposed to be interviewing me, and I know we're like <laughs> supposed to be talking about the book, and we're talking about all these other things, and that's awesome. That's so much. I prefer that. Um, <laughs> if 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 you're thinking when you're like, I've been playing small. What does playing big mean to you? How do how would you define that? I, I think what the next step is 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 that again to to become a professional speaker. Like I've been doing this for five years, and to take that 10x stages and and go spend and invest in myself. Because I'm seeing what it can do for for your career, for your business, for our business. It will it will do amazing things, and for the impact and the freedom and all those things that we were just talking about. And so, when I see you. when I see on like okay IG right, I'm following and and I'm friends with it, all these people that come on our show right. And you know you see what they're doing. It's like man, I'm not doing that. You know, and I want to do that. That's the next step. So, but you can Wizard of Oz some of that stuff. Right. So when I when I gave that first TEDx and I had this beautiful video because, you know, five camera shoot in the gorgeous uh, Boston Opera House, I had that first paid gig and I was like, I want, oh, I want more of those. Oh, that's great. How do I get them? And everyone said, well, you need a reel. So I had a reel made of like me giving this one talk that mm-hmm. didn't look like I'd had a lot of experience because it was one talk. So I called up a bunch of other people I knew who were in the speaking world and who also were like, early, didn't have a lot of film, and we rented a theater in Boston on a Tuesday morning. So you're basically paying like 10 bucks and you're paying the camera guy. We brought in a camera crew and each of us 
gave 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes. We had two different sessions, morning session, afternoon session. And then we all, we all uh, inter, uh, introduced each other. So you're on stage for sound check, one. Introduction, two. Your thing, three. Next introduction, four. The next, your next bit, five. So you five different times on stage. We all wore different outfits for each of those five. <laughs> and we made sure that the lighting and the backdrop was different in each one. So boom. Love it. Speaker reel. I now had six gigs. Oh my so gosh. So all the things that you're seeing, all the things that you're Smoke seeing. Smoke and mirrors? The, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, first of all, everything you see on social media is not true. Right. right? So like, right. you got to know that. And second of all, you can create all of that. Wow. Like we filled the audience with our friends and family and I just had my speaker reel redone and my speaker reel includes me like standing ovation in front of 5,000 people. I mean, it has <laughs> big talk. It has it has all three Good Morning America appearances. It has Today Show. It has all this big, huge, it, it looks like I am big deal. There are still little clips in that new speaker reel that came from that first event. That oh, really? is awesome. Absolutely. That because is awesome. because we said, I want to make sure in that audience, I, we said to the cameraman, we said, make sure in the B-roll you get men, you get women, you get people of color. We wanted to make sure that we had, so that when we're putting our are real together, I can show diversity in my audience. Mm -hmm. So it's not just mm -hmm. like, here I am at this MLM in front of a whole bunch of women. I can now show like a little clip of like a dude in a suit who's shaking his head like, oh yeah, that's really mm, <laughs> very insightful. <laughs> so there are all kinds of things that you can do. So I don't, I don't know if you're playing small. I think maybe you're not fully playing in the game yet. You're not in the that's game the yet. That's the difference. Yeah, I'm not in the game yet. I'm not, yeah, I'm not in the game. Like my only... Uh, professional speaking gig was uh, uh, I emceed a conference one time, yeah. and that, that's all I've done. Here's so the far. best thing about the game: you don't have to try out for the team; you can just walk on the field. Let's go! Yeah, I like seriously. I, we're we're running yeah. out of time, and I hate that because I just want to like soak up your brain. <laughs> well, I'll like, have to come back. I yeah. really like this. Has been an awesome, awesome interview. Um, but before we wrap things up, I do want to know uh, what are some What's next? Yeah, what's next, and and what what can people uh, where can people find you? Yeah, well, what's next is you're gonna see me all over anywhere I possibly can shoehorn myself into to talk about this book. Okay, that's it. It's gonna be Wonder Hell twenty four seven. Um, so you're gonna be in Wonder Hell. <laughs> I, I that is the irony is that I'm in Wonder Hell yes. about Wonder Hell. It's yes. exactly what. But you know, here like here's the joke about Wonder Hell is that every one of us at every moment in time is in wonder hell because we are always constantly standing with one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow what did i tell you mm -hmm. today i had that conversation mm -hmm. i said i'm one foot in and one foot out like two hours ago i literally <laughs> had that conversation with him i'm like dude like i i need to commit to something because i'm one foot in and one foot out and yes. and I, we Last just, week was my birthday, and I posted a video of me online with a giant sheet cake in my lap, and I'm literally just like eating it from the middle, and I'm talking about this book, and I'm talking about my birthday, and I was like, and you know, it occurs to me that birthdays are exactly wonder hell, because you're thinking about who you were yesterday and who you are next year, oh, and all these people are like, that was a brilliant line, and I'm like, I don't know, I was just shoveling cake in my face when it came to me. I'm literally like, it's like a Tina Fey, I'm like shoveling, I'm wearing overalls, and it's it, you should check it out. So my name is Laura Gassner Odding. All my friends call me LGO. LGO, it's a lot of names. So I am on all the socials at Hey LGO and HeyLGO.com is a shortcut to my website. Awesome, love it. Thank you so much for being with us, guys. That's the show. It's all about who you know. Woo! Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. 
My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know. Oh,